0: Hi, this is Matt Joe Gow, and you're listening to Radio Karam, which is local community internet radio. And uh, we were having a chat about community radio earlier and how important it is to Melbourne, how important it is to the scene here, the music scene, but also the wider community. So check out Radio Carom, tune in. Mm-hmm. Welcome to the Strong, Single and Human podcast, a real look at single parenting, the ups and downs and how to navigate life with kids on your own while keeping sane. Covering subjects such as domestic violence through to fussy eaters and solo dating. I'm your host, Claire Martin. Welcome. My guest this week is a 33-year-old single mum of two daughters aged eight and nine, and who works for a business consultancy firm called Building Beloved Communities, where they focus on offering community-centered solutions supporting small businesses and not-for-profits. She has already had a hell of a journey with it being six years since she has left the cult she was raised in. Having to deal with mental health matters, due to the fallout of her father's suicide, generational traumas and overcoming habits and patterns that negatively affected her mental health. Hi, Shannon. Welcome, 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 welcome to the podcast. Thank you for coming on board, spending the time with us
1: and telling us about your journey, which
0: sounds like a hell of a journey with everything (laughs) that I've just said.
1: Well, thank you so much. I appreciate being here. I'm honored to sit down and talk to you and share my story. So I'm looking forward to it. No, I think the honor is all ours. The honor is all ours. So look, uh, I'm going to let you tell
0: us your journey. So, um, I mean, I've you know, I've said in the intro, like, it's been six years since you've been out of, left the cult and stuff like that, that you were raised in. So like, I don't know, start from the beginning um, and tell
1: us like, all right. What on earth has happened? Okay, so my story, um, yes, about six and a half years ago, my life had this very um, epic time that created a before and after moment. So up until that point in 2015, I had been raised in what I now consider to be a cult. So if a religion is controlling what you think and what you're allowed to read, and who you're allowed to associate with um, that to me is mind control. And that is what I classify as a cult. If you're not able to have free thinking skills and develop your own critical thinking and trust your intuition. And we were always told, you know, do not trust your heart. The heart is sinful. So that was like a huge piece of my journey was unlearning that and learning to trust myself and my intuition again. Um, But in 2015, I found myself with my ex-husband and with a two children, a year and 3 years old, and I just remember looking at them and thinking if I don't leave this situation, this family dynamic is going to be what they understand as normal.
0: Yeah. And I did
1: not want that. I saw that in myself. I saw a very similar dynamic between myself and my ex-husband as I saw between my parents and it was not healthy and I didn't want that for them. I wanted something different. So I was a stay-at-home mom. Mm
0: -hmm. Well, no, I was just going to say with your parents, because my brain's working overtime, had your parents joined this cult or had they actually um, been brought up in it the same as you?
1: Yeah. Great question. So when I was very young, about one or two years old, my parents learned about this cult. Okay. And okay. so then they joined. My mom's grandparents, my mom's parents joined. So my grandparents, my aunt and uncle, or her brother and sister joined. Oh. So my whole mother side of the family yeah. joined when I was very young, and my father's side of the family did not. So growing up, being that we didn't celebrate any holidays, Christmas, Thanksgiving, Fourth of July we never got to know my father's side of the family because that's when they all gathered around and created and shared those memories. So I was very close to my mother's side of the family who were all Jehovah's witnesses. I'm going to end up saying at some point, so might as well know, (laughs) but it was one of the now, It's okay. But like, yeah, yeah, that's okay. Yeah. That's what I had grown up. You know, I started homeschooling when I was 15 to spend more time in the preaching work. Um, I did 50 to 70 hours volunteer work from the time I was 15 um, through having two kids up until I was 26. Wow! And I found myself at a crossroads and I felt so pulled. I had to leave. Um, so I was a stay at home mom and I ended up leaving and got my own apartment, borrowed some money from my mother to get, you know, first month's rent and a deposit for oil and deposit for water, you know, whatever I needed to get into that apartment. And then I was on my own. I had to find a job and figure out how I was going to put food on the table. So um, definitely a lot of pressure. And I didn't know what I was going to do with my life because the Jehovah's Witnesses do not encourage higher education. So I had no college degree. Well, and when, you, when I think about it now, higher education, college, that's going to encourage a lot of critical thinking skills, and they want you to focus on the preaching work. So it makes sense now that I'm out, but at 26, I was very, um, you know, I just didn't have anything to, to go back on. So I was searching for waitressing jobs, and um, a week after I left my ex-husband, my father passed away by suicide. <gasps> And my father was one of Jehovah's Witnesses. And I knew, I mean, we were very close at that point in our lives. We talked every day. So I understood, um, you know, where his mind was at. I know there was a lot of shame. There was a lot of guilt. Um, Him and my mom had divorced. He had remarried another Jehovah's Witness. Things were not going well between them at all. And he just felt like a failure, And instead of the religion coming beside him and saying, just because this marriage doesn't work out, does not make you a failure? It was a lot of pressure to make it work, even though it clearly was not going to. And um, so that was like just no support for him
0: at all, really.
1: mm, Wow, poor guy. Nope. So um, he just couldn't see a way out. And that's, you know, very sad when religion takes that type of hold on your mind that you feel. And I'm sure that there was more than just the religions. There was childhood trauma. There was mental illness. There was depression. There was all of those things at play as well. So it wasn't yeah, but it, solely it, but it, the religion. Yeah,
0: no, exactly. But it doesn't help. And you would think um, with everything we're told about religions, Catholic, Christian, and hey, look, the Catholic Church has had its own issues completely especially in Australia and stuff regarding you know the abuse and things like that that they've done with children and things but um you would think that they would be there to support you and to help you and to make sure you're okay and to you know all the good things and none of the bad. And like, and now we're sort of getting the realisation and finding out, well, actually, even mainstream, and I would say mainstream being Christianity, you know, Catholic Church, all of those sort of things, Jehovah's Witness, to a certain extent, is cast as a mainstream, Mormons as well, and things like that. Um, Yeah, all of that sort of side of things, you would think would just be there to support
1: Yeah, you. it really it opened up my eyes that it was not an environment conducive to healthy relationships Mm -hmm. because what mattered more than having a healthy relationship with yourself or with others was abiding by these rules. Like once you're married, you always stay married and that petrified me. I absolutely did not want to go back to my ex-husband after that because I thought, wow, that could be me. What if I stay in my marriage Until I lose all hope of anything else, when you feel like you can't get out of a situation that can make you feel very hopeless. So I leave my husband, my ex-husband, my father dies a week later. And about a month later, I was announced um, from the platform, from the church, that I was no longer one of Jehovah's Witnesses. So I was, every family member that I did have was no longer allowed to speak with me phone me, text me, any, greet me in public, every friend I have, all of my community that they had said, you know, don't associate with people outside of the organization. Like you can preach to them, but you don't form deep relationships with them. And I had done that all my life. So they were all that I knew. And now I was out in the world, single mom, two young kids, waiting tables, And I didn't know what I was going to do with my life. It was a huge crossroads of where do I go? Like my slate began after, you know, some healing began to feel very clean. Like I can create what I want, but also overwhelming because there's so many choices. What am I going to do? Where am I going to go from here?
0: Well, yeah. And being on your own as such. That's like, it's down to you then. These two kids are relying on you. So did the, did the girls actually have, can, uh, did they visit their father and did, uh, yes. do they visit their father? Yes, okay. So they still, okay. So it wasn't, okay.
1: I'm very fortunate in that regard. He has always been very regular. I mean, considering, you know, life happens and sometimes things get crazy and we have always worked with each other, but they regularly see him. He has always been supportive. they, visit him every other weekend that's where they are now um yeah okay so, cool yeah I'm yeah very so it's so it's
0: nice so the jehovah's witnesses basically ostracize you but not the not the children as such they said well nobody talked to you but their father is okay to absolutely
1: okay, that's and that's very and nice. now he's been disfellowshipped as well but he's still acts like a bot. Bi- he doesn't celebrate Christmas. He doesn't celebrate the holidays. He won't bring them to birthday parties, even though I'm like, they don't even, you know, they kicked you out. <laughs> Why do you still following on their rules? But it runs deep. Like the brainwashing runs so deep. Like that took me a long time to rewire my thinking, my belief system. You know, it's kind of like taking everything out of yourself, out of your mind is what I felt like. And just re-examining this, like re-examining everything to see, is this society? Is this religion? Is this what I've been taught? Or is this something that's actually me that I want to hold on to? And that was, yeah. you know, it's such an experience when you go through something like that, that you it's like a phoenix. You burn yourself down and you recreate yourself from the things that you want to keep and leave the rest of it behind.
0: Wow, wow. So, okay. So then like, so how did you do that then? Like you're out, the girls are there, they're seeing the dad and you're waiting, you're waiting tables basically. So then what was the next move? How did you, how did you then think, right, how do I, how do I rebuild myself?
1: Yeah. Great question. So I, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I went back to college and was taking a couple of classes. I was translating on the side because I'm fluent in Spanish and I just wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. But I would um, scroll out the receipt paper and start writing on it and writing on it and writing on it. And I was a big reader. And the things I wrote sounded like, what if my job didn't feel like a job. What if I could do something that I was good at? What if I could do something I was passionate about? What if I could make money and not have to pinch pennies all the time? So I just started dreaming. And when I would express these dreams to my coworkers, they would scoff. (laughs) They would say, okay, yeah, that sounds like quite the life. Good luck. Let me know when you get there, right? And so I didn't know how, but I had this really firm belief That that's what I was going to do. I was going to follow my passion, and I was going to do work that I felt really good about. And I even wrote it on my dry erase board. It's still up. And I wrote, I think it's um, it's sometime in March in 2017. I was like, change is coming, and less than a month later, I got an uh, I learned about a job. In an immigration law firm that needed a bilingual receptionist, so starting position and went in, interviewed, got the job and started, I think, like six weeks after I wrote that on my dry erase board. So one of the important things that I want to share with people is know what you want, even if you don't know how to get there. Because that was a big step. And that was a scary step. Like I was waiting tables. So every other weekend that my kids went with their dad, I was pulling doubles. And during the week, I got to be home with my kids and they were getting a little bit older. So they're starting school age and that nine to five office job time frame seemed terrifying to me. What if I didn't like it? You know, <laughs> Like that was so scary. Well, and also
0: when, when they start school, you're also juggling and I, I'm in the same position, like uh, my son is six and like, he's at school and you know, I, I've said this a few times, you know, um, if there's one thing I'm grateful for COVID being around is the fact that I can work from home. So uh, it's enabled me to have the spare time to be able to do the podcast. It's enabled me to work from home. So the school that my son goes to is like a three minute walk for me. So I can take him in to school in the morning and it's a three minute walk home and I'm in my office. So, you know, I, I wouldn't have that if I was working in the office because that's an hour's journey for me. So, you know, I'd be dropping him off. He'd be having breakfast at school and then I'd be picking him up at like, you know, 10 hours later or whatever which is just insane so i get to spend so much time with him that and being the most lockdown city in the world we got a lot of lockdown time with our children as well which was good and also bad but um but yeah you know so um yeah no i agree i agree it's that juggling that
1: yeah it was a huge yeah. Yeah. And it was a huge life change, you know, because I was in the opposite position. So I had a 45 minute commute. Wow. So I dropped my kids off, drove 45 minutes. And my job at that time was you show up at nine o'clock, not nine oh one. And you leave at five o'clock, not four fifty nine. It doesn't matter whether your work is done. You'll sit in your chair until it hits five o'clock. And then I would drive 45 minutes home. So I'm not getting to see my kids still 545, six o'clock. You turn around and do it all over again. Um, and so then I started dreaming. I don't want this nine to five. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I loved what I was doing. I, I-, I loved the so it got me started And less than a year later, I moved from receptionist to paralegal. And another law firm was opening up a practice with a solo attorney and offered me to come on, help open her practice, um, be her paralegal, be the office manager. So I did that for about a year and a half. And I really enjoyed it because it gave me so much more flexibility. And then I thought, I really want more money. (laughs) And so I happened to get another position where I was managing Three different law firms had the same flexible schedule, had a lot more money, really enjoyed what I was doing. I was over all of the HR, the IT, the finances, um, just that whole business administration side, and I was loving it. COVID hit, my career world went crazy. My kids, you know, stopped going to their school shut down. And so I had to once again pivot. And I went to the partners of the firm and I said, look, can't keep doing this. My kids need me more than I am able to put out here. And so they very graciously furloughed me, which meant that I could receive unemployment until I found another position. So I found another position with a nonprofit. And this is all everything that I've told you has happened within four years.
0: It's crazy, and f- and furloughed because I I'm well, I'm not sure if we have furloughed over here or what they would call furloughed. I'm sure they would understand, uh, we would understand it in Australia. But um, furloughed is being uh, made redundant. Basically, you get paid a redundancy amount of money, and then you can go and do what you need to do. Is that is that well, what furloughed they oh, are? Vi- explain to me furlough. It's
1: a much <laughs> yeah, it's a much more complicated topic because it changed when COVID hit. Right. So. The whole dynamics of being furloughed. But essentially, what it meant for me is that it allowed me to collect a paycheck from the government. So, six weeks later, I got another job offer with a nonprofit, ran their business program and competition, which was a very forward facing in the community position. We had 140 entrepreneurs that came through the program and won over $300,000 worth of cash and in kind wow. prizes. But the money was not there. I was not able to support my family. So I made another move with a business that came through that competition. They hired me on, which is where I'm at currently. And I have a flexible job. I have pay that allows me to take care of me and my family. I have a healthy work environment. So all through these years, I've just continued dreaming, tweaking, manifesting, visualizing what is it that I want. And now my kids don't go to after school. I work here from awesome. home. I take them to school. They get off the bus. They come straight here to our home. And it is just, it feels like a dream. And I I just want to put out there to other people, to other women, to other single moms that six and a half years ago, I had no idea that the life I'm living right now was even possible. I felt so alone, so hopeless, so desperate, so confused, but I kept pushing through and kept pushing through and kept, um, you know, trying to find that hope, even when it felt like it wasn't there.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I agree with you. It is like head down, bum up sort of thing uh, in the fact that you just go, right, I've just got to keep going. I've just got to keep moving forward, thinking about like thinking out of the side of the box sometimes um and like sort of saying you know how how can I do this how how can I how can I get to the how can I get to the you know a life that I want to lead and I'm like wow you're further along than I am because I'm like but then I suppose I'm four years out (laughs) in the fact that I dropped my you know I dropped my child off at school uh he's still in after school care but like but yeah and I'm exactly like you in the fact that um Yeah, I want to be able to not be sitting on a train or in a car for an hour, hour and a half, traveling into an office. That means that, you know, I'm then not there for my son and he's like in school, like, you know, doing what he's doing for all that period of time, you know. So, okay. over all of that, though, what what was your biggest challenge? What did you find was your biggest challenge um, in the last six years that you've had to overcome?
1: I mean, my biggest challenge has um, probably always been myself and my own mind. Like I am my own worst enemy. Like I and I think it has to do with childhood trauma. I think it has to do with the religion. Um, And by childhood trauma, I mean, um, like emotional abandonment or neglect. So I had this very overwhelming feeling that I wasn't enough no matter how much I achieve or do or how many accolades I just wasn't enough. So there was a lot of um, my inner child that was wounded. And I would hear these very critical inner thoughts that would come up and just be like, you're, you're not, you're, you're failing. You know, I could do 10 things, right. But if I did one wrong, my mind tended to focus on that. And some of that I think came from the religion the shame and guilt and that you're never good enough. And you, you know, you have to constantly be doing more, especially with witnesses. It was very much like if you spent 70 hours in the ministry, well, how many watchtowers did you place? How many books did you leave? How many Bible studies did you have? Like it, it almost felt like it was never enough. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So that has been
1: like the biggest thing is working on myself working on sitting and loving myself unconditionally, learning what that really means at deeper stages all along the way. And that's helped me to show up for my kids better too. Because once you love yourself unconditionally, then you can start granting others around you that same unconditional love. So how, so,
0: okay. But how how have you done
1: that? How have you,
0: how do you stop listening to your brain that's saying, hey, you did those things okay, but like these things, this thing here, wow, you know, you're so, you know, you're a nightmare. Like, I know mm-hmm. when I started you're this podcast. Messed. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Like I know when I started this podcast I was like and I'm still you know like hey I haven't got a million listeners all right it's okay though it's fine but I when I started this podcast I was like what am I doing? And, like my brain was going what are you doing? Like you're 50 you're Working, you've got a kid, you've got all of these things going on, and now you're going to add to your workload by having to do interviews, get people to interview, edit, you know, master the, and uh, post it out there, and all of the, all of the things that if I wasn't doing the podcast, you know, that would be fine. Um, I'd have extra spare time or whatever, and, um, and then and then my brain would go, well, he's going to listen, like, you know, it's you for crikey's sake, he's going to listen to you. Like, who wants to listen to you? And so all of those self-doubts were running through my head. And in the end, I was just like, well, I don't care. I'm not listening to you. I'm just going to go ahead and do it anyway. And I'm going to give myself a time frame. So I said, right, I'm going to do this for two to three years. And then if I'm nowhere or I've not done anything or I'm still, you know, I'm over it or whatever, I'll stop. But I've, like, given myself that time frame um, and just said, right, I, I'm going to do it for that even if I do it for two, three years and I've only got the one listener, which is my mum. Uh, thanks mum. Then, you know, great. So how did it like, that's how I dealt with it. By just going shut up and get on with it. How, how did you deal
1: with it? Like, what did you do? And that sounds so easy. I wish, I wish I had that ability to just say, shut up. I'm going to do it anyway. Well, well. <laughs> Maybe I just made it harder for myself. But um, for me, it was like first step is gaining the awareness of it. Mm. So recognizing how often I'm hearing these thoughts because I started to notice throughout my day, as I was working or doing things, I would just be saying, wow, I can't believe you let your dishes stack up like that. Like, look how dirty the house is. You know, what would someone think if they can't like all of these little negative critiques. So once I realized it was there, every time I detected one, I would rewrite something else. Oh, okay. So like most of us, I have lots of I have, you know, some regrets, some poor decisions that I've made, some things I look back on and it makes me want to cringe. And so during, you know, right after those periods of time where maybe I've made a mistake or a blunder or whatever, and it starts coming into my head, I would stop and I would imagine myself on the stage of a TED talk. Wow. And that's what I would force myself to think about. Okay. And I'd be like, that is my future. That's what I'm going to focus on. And it took understanding that like every minute, every second that I spent wallowing in the past, hating myself because of my mistakes, critiquing myself were seconds and minutes that I was losing to creating the future that I want and the person that I want to be. And every present moment is the opportunity to do something different. And so I started like reading books like Louise Hay you can heal God your love life <laughs> and learning those affirmations i didn't even know those affirmations growing up i never had anyone tell me the things that i tell my children like you are loved no matter what i love you even when you're angry it's okay to feel angry it's okay to feel all of your emotions. That doesn't make you a good person, bad person. It just is what it is. It doesn't matter what your grades are. Yeah, Like just those, you know, my childhood felt so critique, so much criticism that I brought that over into my mind as an adult. And so it took for me a lot of reprogramming. And that would sometimes look like, you know, once I identified a negative thought, then I would write the opposite and I would write it every single day. Every single day I would wake up, I'd write it. Sometimes I'd record myself. Actually write
0: it, write it? Oh, like physically write it? Yes. Oh, okay. Write
1: it because my brain, what I learned in studying more about trauma and what I was going through and why I was experiencing so many of those negative thoughts was that that's how my brain was wired. So to rewire that was going to take repetitive um, exposure to this new idea, and the new idea was that I'm enough, and I didn't believe that. You know, the first time I'm enough.
0: <laughs> I'm like, yeah, well, that was what I was going to say because if you've been told uh, and you've been critiqued all the way along, and you've been told you're not good enough, you're not good enough. Like, you know, you need to be better. You need to be better. You need to be X, Y, and Z, right? Then you will think, well, I'm not. I'm not good enough to do what I want. You know, I'm not good enough to be a basketball player answer whatever but that's rubbish because that's only your brain telling you you're not good enough exactly. you need to then change that story and change your state and change the story going forward and just the same as me going he's going to listen to me well in a way I suppose I don't know whether it's sheer ignorance with me and I go oh do you know what I'm getting old who cares I'll be dead in like 20 years time so it won't bloody matter right so I sort of go and I and maybe if I had have been 20 I would be I would not be doing this right but because I'm the age I am I go Well, let's face it, you know, let's get old disgracefully, right? Let's do the stuff. Like, I'm not going to get another go at this,
1: right? This is like my one go. So, let's just do it. If it fails, that's okay. Learn from it. Yes, I agree. And see, something else that I think is important and probably intensified my negative thoughts about myself was how fast I moved in my career. So, in such a small period of time to go from what I thought was nothing. I was ashamed for people to know that I was a Jehovah's witness, that I was in a cult. I thought that they would automatically think, well, gosh, she's got to be an absolute idiot to believe that and spend so much of her time like going out and telling other people what I had now discovered as complete rubbish. So for me, it was hard to trust myself. If I bought into that for 26 years, was I an idiot? So then excelling in positions like receptionist, paralegal, office manager, firm administrator, director of business development, now business consultant, within a matter of five years after waiting tables. But what I came to learn was that throughout my experience with the cult, I had developed a lot of really important skills. I read all the time, I articulated well, I was very accustomed to meeting people, um, public speaking, so there were so many different skills that translated over. So instead of knocking myself down for being the idiot that bought into a cult, I started building myself up by viewing myself as a person who was able to escape an abusive marriage, a person who is able to escape a cult, a person who is able to survive the traumatic loss of their father, a person who was, and as I was go, as I was waiting tables, I would imagine like one day I'm going to look back on this and what story am I going to tell? You know, how am I going to deal with my pain? Yeah. Am I going to drink it away? Am I going to drug it away? Not to say that I didn't do some of that, <laughs> but, um, well, you yeah. know,
0: well, especially with everything that's gone on, you know, I mean, that's understandable. It's a, I mean, you had a lot of pain in a short period of time. So I was good. Well, OK. So did you get treatment? Like, did you have to go and see a therapist or a counsellor? Like, I, 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 I've I, never been involved in a cult. um, And I, I was while you were telling me about all the skills that you did get, I'm thinking and I know what. Jehovah's Witnesses are viewed by a lot of people in the UK, which is where I originally come from, is that they just get the door slammed in in their faces. So I suppose in a way you've got those skills, because you, I'm, I'm, I am i do not know what it's like in America, um, but like,
1: I mean, I was a cute little, I was a cute little white girl. Oh, okay, so fair enough. <laughs> people, people kind of listened to me more. I spoke Spanish at a very young age, so I was like this white girl in America preaching to the Spanish speaking population. So I was very well received. I was really loved. I was accepted. I was invited into homes. The people respected the Bible and the message. So I never really had such a negative experience like that. I did have some, but not enough to even really recall. I think it's us us,
0: us, us, cynical Brits. Cause we're not, I, I think, um, <laughs> Yeah so uh, um the US seems to be a lot more religious and religious focused than the UK. I mean I I mean I went to Sunday school and various different things like that but my parents weren't religious. Um, they didn't go to, they didn't go to church every week or anything like that. You know it was funerals, um marriages and births basically it was when we went oh, to Claire. church and no, stuff like that I so live- you know.
1: <laughs> the section of America that I live in is referred to as the Bible Belt. The town, my hometown, is referred to as the buckle of the oh, Bible Belt. It okay. is has this huge religious um, university and these oh. prestigious. Okay, Leaders. okay. And so, okay, so you would have had a completely different, yeah, <laughs> so the
0: poor old Jehovah's Witnesses in the UK would have got a right old bashing and you would have had a lovely time where you are, but like, yeah, that, like people would hide, hide behind their doors if um, Jehovah's Witnesses were coming down the street, banging on doors, handing out leaflets and stuff like that.
1: Yeah, people definitely yeah. hid. Definitely yeah. hid. But as yeah. far as being like rude and slamming the door, oh, no, no, no. They got the face, whole gamut.
0: Oh, yeah, these <laughs> so poor guys. And they you know, at the end of the day, these human beings, they just uh, have a religious belief. That's, you know. Yes.
1: And a lot of them are really, really good humans. And I'm super grateful for like the connections, memories, the things I learned. Like, although aspects of it weren't healthy, there was a lot of it that those morals, values, virtues, I want to instill in my kids. Definitely. So. It wasn't yeah. all bad.
0: It's just that. Uh, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Okay. So, oh, sorry. I went down a rabbit no, hole there. Good. What were we talking about? Because <laughs> I sort of go, oh, yeah, no, I need to talk to you about X, Y, and Z. Okay. So, no, therapy and stuff like oh, yeah, that. Therapy. So That did was you... a good
1: question. Yeah. Okay. Here so... we go. Back on path. <laughs> Yay! Um, <laughs> so, I knew after my father died, the situation that I was in was pretty traumatic. So I sought out a counselor and um, I didn't even really know what I needed or wanted from her, but I figured I could probably use one. And the first thing that we worked on was boundaries. And I learned the word assertive. And I had never in my life knew that I could set boundaries, that I could say no That I could say, no, you're not allowed to speak to me like this. If you want to speak to me, you're going to need to speak different or this conversation doesn't continue. Oh, Mm. Shannon, six and a half years ago, would have thought that was rude. I had a very unclear idea about the difference between being rude and assertive. And so that was very enlightening to sit down with a counselor and work with her on developing skills that now I look back and are so basic, but I was never taught them. I was never empowered. I was never embraced to love myself. So I started learning these concepts and I've seen the therapist pretty much on and off for the past six and a half years. I personally highly recommend therapy for everyone because I mean, what do you have to lose? As long as you have a good therapist or counselor. Yeah. Um, but I'm really a avid reader. So I have read hundreds of books because I wasn't allowed to really read anything. It was never viewed as productive to read literature that was not produced by the Jehovah's Witnesses. So once I got out, I started eating up different concepts, ideas, healing. I mean, it was just I was so thirsty.
0: But you just read loads and loads you are just reading, 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 reading. So not only were you seeing the therapist then, but you were also um, you were also just reading and, and feeding your mind. Because I know, because I know that's what I've done. Online courses. Oh my god, if you saw my bookcase, there's so many just different self help. I mean, you know, good old Tony Robbins is up there, but then there's other other people um, that I've got up there as well that um, you know just all about personal development all about um i've been talking quite recently about um bruce lipton who uh talks about the dynamics of genes and the fact that you can actually change how your how your genes are as such or your dna um and how you can influence it by you know stress and various different things like that and how you you know we just don't know um joe um Oh, what's his name? Dispenza? Yes, that's it. Uh, he is somebody I've listened to a lot, uh, D- Joe Dispenza, because he well, he had a broken back and basically um, free meditation and various things like that, healed himself. Um, and we don't know. We only use 20, 25% of our brain. We don't know uh, what how our brain influences our body, but something in our body must be influencing the cells that are, you know, our, our individual cells, the trillions of cells that we've got in our body, something must be switching them on um, and switching them off and doing, you know, so, and like nine times out of 10, I'm thinking it's the and brain, the thoughts, but. the
1: thoughts you think and the physical manifestations that they have in your body. Yeah. That's what yeah. I started learning about from Louise Hay. Yeah probably back in 2018, I started digging into her work and realizing just the effect that your thoughts have. Um, And now it's, it's something, you know, I had to learn myself, but now I teach to my kids. You know, we talk about being the creator of our realities. We talk about not falling into that victim mentality because victim mentality was a huge thing for me. I didn't even know those words, but I was a victim in so much of my life. Like I did not, I did not control my life. My life controlled me and I was very unhappy about it. And I didn't even know for so long that there was a different way to be until I broke free, you know, and I started learning, like, it doesn't have to be like this. And even, I mean, even more recently have I started understanding, I read this book called the the TED, it's the the empowerment dynamic, and it talks about the victim mentality and how in some situations we, you know, there's a victim, there is a persecutor, there is a hero. So it's this triangle effect. So if you're walking down a path with your friend and you trip on a rock, the rock is the persecutor, you are the victim, the friend that reaches out to catch you is the hero. So once you start looking at your relationships, your work dynamics, you can tell like what people fall into that mindset, but there is another mindset where there is, instead of being the victim, you are the creator. And instead of having a persecutor, you have a coach. And instead of having a rescuer, I can't remember that one, but anyways, it's a much more powerful and positive dynamic. And so learning that, like, I'll give you an example. And I've told you this before when we've chatted, but my kitchen sink broke and water was spewing out everywhere. And so I'm like, holy crap, my kitchen sink broke. Um, you know, okay, I'm going to fix it. I'm going to fix it. So I, I go to the store and I buy the part and I come home and I go to fix it and my pipes are copper and I could not turn them. So they had, I can't remember what the term is. I called my brother, um, love him to death. He was no help at all. Um, <laughs> I'm like, can you come help me? I can't turn this pipe. And he's like, well, it sounds like they're clamped up or some phrase where they just weren't going to turn. And so for a moment, I was able to be aware of my thoughts and not become my thoughts, but just be aware of them. And my thoughts sounded like you are all alone. There is no one here. You left that religion that was a whole support group and community and look at you now. you're in this town home, you're by yourself. you have no one to call. you have no one to help you. You are alone. And I stood back from that and I thought that is not true. I am the creator of my reality and I live in these townhomes and they are all identical and I am going to text my neighbor, and ask, because I could not find how to shut off the water to my home. So I text her and I asked her, how do you shut off the water? She said, downstairs in the closet. Thank you so much. So I shut off the water, changed the entire faucet in less than an hour. This was on Halloween. And um, I felt like the biggest badass Mm -hmm. ever, because it was something that before I would have sat with those thoughts. I would have cried. I would have thought about how this was you know, going to prohibit me from cooking dinners for the rest of the week and how that was going to affect my budget, which was clearly going to affect Thanksgiving and Christmas and the whole year would be horrible when none of that needed Uh to happen. Once you switch into that creator mode and your mind is focused on a solution, then your mind finds the solution. But when your mind is focused on the victim mentality, then it stays in that helpless mode. You can't find the answer if it's staring you right in yeah. the face.
0: I start, and I and I agree with you. Um, there are some times where I will sit and I will go, How have I let myself get into the situation I am in? You know, I'm in a country, I have no family here, I'm in a country on my own. I have a six year old son I am on my own basically. Um, there is me. That is it. I don't really get any help from my ex-partner, and um, and the various different other things that actually happen and occur uh, in my situation. And I do sit there, and there are days where I will sit and wallow in that and go, "How did I? What like? Why can't my life be different? Like, why can I not have you know?" Um, uh, an ex-partner that supports me and there's a lot of why's go on right but the problem is right I'm focused on all of these why's right why is my life as it is right and then I have to and I've done this uh it's so this, this a lot in the last three or four years I said well hang on a minute whoa, whoa whoa let's take a step back from all of this right it's not about why is my life a lot like this person's or why because I'm not in a domestic violence situation. I don't fear for mine or my son's life. Right. I have money coming in. We have a house over. Our head. So I then change it round and I go, OK, let's not think about all the things I haven't got. Right. Let's think about all the things I have got. I have an awesome, passionate, frustrating, lovely, awesome As you've seen him and you've met him today, Um, gorgeous son, right? I cannot wish for anything more than that, right? Um, And all the other things that go with it. I live in a fantastic part of Australia. The beach is like, you know, three k's down the road, right? Uh, I have awesome, awesome people around me. My neighbours are fantastic. God love them. They're looking after my son at the moment. You know, everyone around me is really good. My son's school is awesome, just everything. And so instead of actually focusing on what I haven't got, I go, hang on a minute, let's focus on what I have got. And then it just changes my whole day, my whole outlook, everything.
1: You bring in more of that. The more of what you're focused on, the more of what you're grateful for is the more of what you bring in. Like I remember standing in the shower and being immensely grateful to be surrounded by so many smelly soaps and gels and amazing shampoo. (laughs) And I know that sounds so silly, but... Six and a half years ago, when I was a single mom, we had a bar of soap, we had shampoo, we had conditioner that was the cheapest and that was it. And now when I look at my life and I see my plants and my books and my air purifier and my cat litter, (laughs) like (laughs) all of these things are things that I wasn't granted. And it's so easy to get in that mindset of, no, man, I wish I had a house cleaner, which I do still wish I had a house cleaner, oh, but <laughs> you know, I exactly. go there. so but yeah. it's definitely gratitude is the best medicine for me to very quickly shift my perception back into that creator mentality of if there's something that I want in my life that I don't currently have, that gives me a goal to work towards. That gives yeah. me something to manifest, something to bring in, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, I do. I do. So, Okay. If you could turn the clock back and you could actually look at your 18-year-old self, what would you tell your 18-year-old self? I mean, like, it's a lot further to talk to my 18 year old self than your 18 year old self believe you me
1: by the way I cannot believe you're 50 that is like insane
0: yeah no believe it believe you me the lighting obviously is very good in here because you can see me on video (laughs) people just can hear us you know that's the thing but yeah no yes I'm definitely and I feel it sometimes for all
1: you listeners (laughs) Claire does not look like she is 50 she looks like she's 30 so you've all got to come to Australia then
0: because like obviously life is good here (laughs) takes years Um, off. Yeah. So
1: so the 18 year old question, I want to overcomplicate that by saying I wouldn't change a single thing. I wouldn't go back and talk to myself because I'm so grateful for where I'm at. But if I'm going to be uncomplicated and not talk about how, you know, traveling in time could disrupt my current self, (laughs) then I would, I mean, I would just pour into myself of just I would tell myself every wonderful thing that I see, how um, like I was told a lot that I was too much, that I was too loud, that I was uh, obnoxious Ah. was the label that I was uh, that was the hardest thing. Even even a couple of years ago, I sat down with my mom and I said, Mom, you know, as an adult, I've really struggled with believing that I'm obnoxious and I've come to learn that I'm not. And she said, well, you are. And I said, no, I'm not. And she said, well, you can be. And I said, no, I am tenacious. I am ambitious. I am passionate. I am a leader. I am driven. I am not obnoxious. Obnoxious is a very negative thing to say to a person, much less a child. She said, well, you were when you were a child. And I was like, then maybe I needed a parent to step up and help me learn different ways of interacting socially. But even then... I was not an obnoxious child. I was tenacious. I was passionate. I was ambitious. So I would go back and I would pour all of those adjectives into myself so that I could start to switch because I always viewed myself as too much, too loud, obnoxious, belligerent, all of those things. Mm. Because if you think about it, me being the free-spirited, outspoken person that I was in a marriage where I need to shut up and be submissive and a religion where I need to be quiet and become the square, it just was never me. I had a lot of personality, a lot to share, a lot to learn, a lot of curiosity, a lot of questions. So I would just tell myself how ambitious and driven and passionate and amazing and how proud I am of myself and how amazing I can connect with people. Like I would just all of the positive things that I've come to learn and love about myself, I would want to just tell myself that so that I could maybe start seeing myself in a different light instead of believing all of those things. Yeah.
0: And also I've found and discovered um, that one person may have that opinion of you and say, oh, you're obnoxious, but that's because of their Luggage, their upbringing, their dealing with a situation and circumstance. Somebody else view of you could be that you're passionate, you're awesome, you're crazy, you know, and all of these things. And that's their view because they see all of those passion craziness of a person as as favorable, as positive. But somebody else sees them as negative because of their luggage, their background, their historical upbringing or, or whatever, their environment. And that's their opinion.
1: Absolutely. However, when that person is your mother and that is your main influencer, as you are growing as a child and you are trying to figure out how you Mm. fit in the world and how, when you have that, for me, if it came out of my mother's mouth, it was true. She was the person who knew me the most. So if she labeled me that way, then it must be true. Yeah. You know, and that's what I want to help people to understand as well. Like we may have been spoken things into us as children, maybe by people who love us and who we love, but it doesn't make those things
0: true. Uh, Yeah, I completely agree. These people are human. They make mistakes. Our parents aren't perfect. They are humans like you and I, and uh, and their, their parents are humans as well. So it's like, you know, um, I was talking to somebody the other day about, and I can't think of the name of the phrasing, but it's like, you know, um, family trauma, basically, but there's a certain name for it and I can't think what it is but it is like family trauma or family the blueprint from you know past generations that then influencing- like internal
1: family systems or epigenetics
0: epigenetics no. there we go epigenetics you, fantastic no it was epigenetics but you know it's Let's face it, it's Saturday lunchtime for me and I've had about three coffees. So the brain, although it's working very quickly, <laughs> right. it's not working as I would see it. Um, so, yeah, no epigenetics and stuff like that. And the fact that, um, you know, things get passed on down and like uh, and from my background, uh, like I come from Europe. Right. So we had two world wars. OK, so we had, you know, my past the past generations had to go through two world war situations you and your generation in the states had like oh you know the 1920s great depression and all of that stuff and very other things as well I mean that's not the only thing because you also America joined in on the second world war just to you know mess up a few other families in the world you know but you know and thank god you did I mean you know thank you because um, we needed that little bit of extra help to move our side forward as such, although there's no real sides in war, everyone loses. But anyway, um, that's the hippie side of me coming out. Yeah, all of that genetic, and and you know, they're human. Parents are humans, we're humans. I'm sure we're doing stuff to
1: our kids that we sort of go, oh, could have done that a bit better. Well, see, here's here's the thing I learned about that is when a child suffers something that they perceive to be traumatic, For example, for me, I was put on a lot of uh, shared with a lot of very heavy emotional subjects that were Mm. too much for me for the Mm. age that I was, whether that was seven, eight, nine. And I have my mom confiding in me about, you know, possibly divorcing my father and should she do it and what their sex life was about. Highly inappropriate for a child of the age that I was. And I had no one to go to. I had no one to process that with. So with my children now, what I learned from the book, The Body Keeps Score by, who is that mm-hmm. by? Um, the uh, the Body Keeps Score
0: is by um, Gabba Mate, isn't it? Is
1: it Gabba no. Mate? or
0: is it? No, it's somebody else. No, it's it On my that, phone. Here we go. Like it's just a
1: B Bissell or something.
0: It's good. Do you know book. what? It is. Oh, um, incredible. Here we go. This so, is I'll Google it. Carry on talking. I'll Google it.
1: Okay. Um, <laughs> the, joy, because, the joys of being online. Yay. So Van Van something. Okay. Anyways, I'll let you find it. Um, no, that's that fine. Book, Carry on. That book taught me, and I apply this with my children. So, you know. Bessel like,
0: van der Kolk. I hope I've said that right. Bessel, Bessel van, der, van der Kolk. Kolk
1: folk. Kolk. Kolk? Yeah. Col- K-O-L-K. K-O-L-K. I'm terrible at pronunciation. The Body Keeps Score. Google it yeah. and you'll find it. <laughs> yeah. It's great. The definitely um, is. Yeah. But that book, you know, last week I was vacationing with my kids. They were getting on my nerves. They're arguing nonstop. And I just lose my entire temper, like no emotional regulation. And I'm like, you know, this is all y'all's fault that I'm this mad and this is so stressful. Why do y'all have to fight this much? And you know what? I might not bring y'all on the next vacation. Just, I mean, all of this stuff. Right. But what matters is that afterwards we sit down and process those things with our kids. So I was able to tell them, you know what, it's never right for anyone to speak to you like that. That was very toxic of me. I spoke a lot of negative things into you. I should be capable of regulating my emotions more. And when I failed to do that, because sometimes as humans we do, the best thing that we can do is apologize very clearly and very directly. And we had a conversation about how it made them feel and about what we would do differently moving forward. And because I have the ability of processing that type of situation with my children, they won't grow up with that same unprocessed trauma that, they, that I held in my body for so long because I didn't have anyone to process or understand it with. Yeah, and I do a
0: very similar thing with my son. Uh, Look, at the end of the day, there are times where we're tired, we're stressed because there's something that needs our attention at work and stuff like that. And very much, um, you know, I can be sitting here and I can be on a meeting and he comes through and uh, because we've been locked down for such a long time, um, although we're not locked down at the minute. um, But, you know, he can come through and I'll be like, dude, what? What do you need from me? I am... Yeah, and you're tired and all of that malarkey. So, and I have to, I do sit down, and I have to apologise. I say, look, I'm really sorry, mummy didn't, mummy shouldn't speak to you like that. Mummy hasn't dealt with that very well, you know, or, you know, he'll, he'll stand and shout at me, you know, we're same Two different sides of the same coin, as such. So, yeah, you know, we're very similar, me and him. So, um, it's then sitting him down and going, Okay, you shouted at me. Mummy wasn't very happy with that. Like, how can we do this different? How do you, what was you, what were you feeling, and all of those sort of stuff, and sort of unpack all of that and, and go from there. So, where do you, where do you want to go now? Because you've mm. gone, you've come on such a journey over the last sort of six years um, and had so much happen to you. So, what 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 are your goals now? Like, that's a great question. Sorry, I've, and I I <laughs> and I probably put you on the no, I'll put you on the spot funny. here because I'm going. Yeah, no, no, but it fascinates me because you've like put out into the ether over these last six years. I want to do X. I want to do Y. So, what have you put out recently? Where are you going? So What's going on? I want to do what podcasts. Are you? Yay! Well, welcome to this one.
1: (laughs) No, I feel, I feel super duper grateful about where I'm at. Like financially, I am trying to build some, you know, streams of revenue and passive income so that I can work less and live life more. Um, But on the flip side of that, I am very passionate about helping specifically single moms and women Um, find their higher, most authentic self, like how to reach those goals, because I'm also here where I'm at today because of a slew of amazing mentors, amazing people who, who came to bat for me. I mean, from the waitress at Olive Garden, this restaurant I was waitressing at, who took me to Walmart and bought my first Christmas tree in 2015 because I was so overwhelmed at the idea of Christmas. I didn't even know where to begin. So she invited me to help her pick out her stuff and then gave me the cart at the end of the shopping trip. From people like that to people who taught me um, how I didn't want to be people who showed me love and mentorship and guidance and saw the good in me when I couldn't see it. I feel so privileged if I could be and do that for more people. So I set up this little Facebook page. It's called let's grow together. And um, I haven't done a whole lot with it, but I'm posting like, as I learn and what I do in my personal healing journey and my manifestations, like I celebrate a lot with the new moon and the full moon to really release anything that doesn't serve me any well anymore and set intentions for the month that's coming. Um, So I want to just give back. I want to help other people find the peace that I found. And I don't know exactly what that looks like, but my step one has been um, to reach out to people like you so if there's a podcast on single moms or mental health or leaving a cult, I want to be there. I want to share my story. And, hey, we've got that TED talk, you know, the TED talk that I would visualize. So one day that'll be that'll be here as well. But
0: yeah. Yeah. yeah no, look, I, And it's. It- the, your reasoning is exactly the same as my reasoning. I I sit there and I go, look, if if this podcast only gets 50, 50 listeners, but it helps one of them, and I'm sure my mum doesn't want to hear half the stuff that I talk about on here either, because uh, it's a bit maybe eye opening for her. But um, but yeah, no, um, maybe it's an education for my mother. Oh dear, never mind. Yeah, I agree with you. It's it's about helping that one person that's out there um and I feel um single moms and single dads um I I a lot of my because I, I my day job I work in IT so I like there's a lot of men that I work with. I think the men are I think the men have the Shitty end of the stick sometimes. Uh, single dads um, definitely have different challenges from single mums. Um, I think as, in, Aust- in Australia, I think society accepts that single mums need to go and pick the kids up or do, you know, it's more acceptable for the single mums. Single dads, they're like, well, you know, hey, a lot of single dads aren't there in the week, but I know a lot who have the kids 100% of the time. So, you know, they get a raw, they get a raw deal from the job perspective. Um so, yeah, I sort of see their challenges as well. Yeah, you know, exactly. I'm exactly like you. Um, yeah, so um, so can people get in contact with you on that Facebook page that you've set up if they want to reach out and, you know, ask questions, do more to help or whatever?
1: Absolutely. I would welcome any type of connections. It would mean the world to me. Um, so the Facebook page is Shannon Dominguez. Let's grow together. And I guess we'll tag it in the podcast. Um, yeah. No, I definitely
0: will. I definitely will.
1: Cause I can't quite remember what the name is. It might be Shannon Thibodeau Dominguez. It might be. Oh, here we go. It's Shannon Thibodeau Dominguez. Let's grow together. I had to choose like what kind of page it is. So I put business consultant because that's what I am, but I don't have any services to sell. I'm just genuinely trying to put out, good vibes and helpful, helpful information. I try to be as vulnerable and authentic as possible. So this, you know, what I shared with you about what happened on our vacation and how I got after my girls and how we were able to turn that around, I try to put out those real stories. Um, you know, on my personal page, I've always shared like pictures of my dirty house because I think that people need to see that we are not always these filtered Instagram ready people we are messy we are real and that is acceptable and worthy and that is the message that I want to get out.
0: Yeah no I agree we have our up days we have our down days you know like like I said this is this is the title of you know my podcast you know we're strong we're definitely strong because if we didn't we weren't strong we'd never get through this we're single because they're all single parents you know single mum single dads whatever but we're human at the end of the day you know <laughs> um we make mistakes we're not perfect you know we have our up days we have our down days we have the days where it's like why me and like will you go to bed sort of days so look okay that's great i'll, I'll post all of those bits and pieces on the podcast and stuff so um okay final question final question Um, And I ask this to everyone, ask this to everyone, if you had a superpower, Sharon, Sharon,
1: Sharon, where did Sharon come from? Shannon, um, what would it be? What would it be? That's a hard question. I need to like meditate on that because people ask that question a lot and I don't Mm. know. I mean... I don't, what's it, teleporting? See, during teleport. Yeah.
0: See during lockdown and stuff, that I was like, cool. can I have a teleporter in my eyes? Because I so don't want to, I don't want to see these four walls. I just want to teleport COVID free somewhere else.
1: Yeah, that would be really cool. I mean, can you imagine like just teleporting? Like I'm in, looking at the Eiffel Tower now. I'm in Rio de Janeiro. Yeah. Let me just check out a beach off of Mexico yeah. real quick. I mean, yeah. Probably yeah. Do that. And I would actually
0: I want a teleporter that I can wear on my wrist so I can just press a button and teleport. Oh yeah, no no no. I wouldn't want to, I wouldn't want anything heavy. Just like just like a Fitbit, but like a teleporter bit. Um because then if you're in a situation – like you tell it, but the problem is I suppose yeah, I just wouldn't you'd need to sort of like not teleport into dodgy situations that yeah, might like suddenly appear like what like quantum leap I used to love watching quantum quantum leap because you used to teleport in and it then teleport into a a person. He might be in a dodgy situation. So
1: maybe you like show up invisible first and then you push the button. Yes. If you choose to like, do you verify your location? No, shit's crazy here.
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, exactly. Or no, I've just teleported into somebody's toilet and um, that's not really good. Or, you know, or they're in the bath or the shower and maybe I need to teleport somewhere else. I don't know. I'm not sure how you would pinpoint that teleportation, but if it was on your wrist, how good would I that mean, be? I mean, it's
1: something for us to figure out. So maybe by the next podcast. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Who not? Well, <laughs> I'm not sure by the next podcast. But hey, you never know. With all these pictures on the internet saying these people in these old photos have been, you know, a time travelers. You never know. Maybe in a few years yeah, time, we'll keep our minds open. Know.
1: Catch me on a TED talk. How to teleport? Elon might have,
0: yeah, he, exactly. Elon might have like given up on the space run and uh, decided, no, we will do time travel instead. There you go. Um, we've discovered a wormhole that's
1: Ooh, goes now, all hold over on. The place. Time knows? traveling and teleporting are two very different things because you know how I feel about <gasps> well, the time yeah. travel. That can be well, messy. You travel in time, you change yeah. everything.
0: Well, potentially, yeah. You'd have to be very careful.
1: Um, I yeah. would definitely. Yeah, I yeah. mean, I would totally just experiment with my life. I do some crazy stuff.
0: <laughs> yeah, Oh. <laughs>
1: If you could time
0: doodah, yeah, no, definitely, definitely. Well, there we go. That's thought food for thought on this Saturday. And it's Friday night for you, but it's Saturday for me. God love this world and, like, how the times go in different, like, it's almost like I'm in a different um, plane, a different parallel universe. Well, I am. I'm in Australia. And, hey, we're all different down here. Um, look, thank you so much for coming and joining. Um, Sorry about all the different interruptions we've had. We've had knocking on doors and flimming other bits and pieces, but it's all been good. Um, thank you. Thanks so much. Um so fascinating talking to you. I can talk to you for hours. It's just um yeah, it's just awesome. And like, I wish you the best and um, please come back, maybe come back in a year's time and tell us, you know, how everything's worked out and, and what you're doing there. I would
1: absolutely I would go love from that. This conversation has been so energizing and is literally the first step in the next thing that I want to create, which is getting on more podcasts and having the courage to share my story. So thank you for being a part of manifesting what's next in my life.
0: It's been a complete pleasure. And don't forget me if you're on that TED Talk, okay? I'm expecting an invite, all right? I'll I'll fly in.
1: Shout out that UK, Australia lady. I know her. Yay!
0: (laughs) So, yeah, no, brilliant. Look, thank you. I'm going to let you get on with the rest of your evening. It's lunchtime here, so I'm going to head out, see if my child needs lunch and whatever. And um, yeah, and go from there. Thank you so much, honey. Um, Yeah, let's speak
1: again soon. That sounds great. Thank you. I really appreciate your time and having me on. No worries. All right. Have a good evening. All right. See you, lady. Have a good lunch.
0: Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to hear more, please hit subscribe wherever you'd like to hear podcasts. If you'd like to support us further, share this episode with your friends and family on all the usual social media platforms that you're normally on. And finally drop us a review on iTunes, as I'd love to hear your thoughts, comments, and ideas. It all helps me to understand and produce awesome content that I know you're going to want to hear like this. If you want to check out past episodes, write to us, appear on the podcast, or for links, resources, and show notes, go to our website, www.strongsingleandhuman.com. We are also on all the usual social media platforms, Insta, Facey and Twitter. Have a wonderful week and I hope to see you back here again soon. Be kind to yourself and remember, no one's perfect and we're all just putting one foot in front of the other and doing our best. I'm Claire Martin and you've been listening to the Strong, Single and Human podcast. Hi, everybody. This is Witt from Spider Bait. When I'm passing through Carum, aside from slowing down to 50 kilometres an hour and
1: reminisces about doing the ill race road rumba or the Whatley Street wiggle, I like to tune in to Radio Carum and get down with the good vibes.